Hey, welcome back to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. I've got a great guest with me today here, Alex Murchia. I was ho- I was nervous about saying his name. Hope got it right. Uh, <laughs> I think it's because he's much bigger than me, so I had to get it right. So we're going to go into some stuff right now. He's kind of like a, a renaissance man. So I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to start off. I'm just going to run the list, and uh, you tell me what I left out. So I'm going to start with that. So AP history teacher, musician in a band, as well as teaching other people how to play, level three CrossFit coach. There's four levels. He's almost, he's almost got them all. So that's a ton of them. Uh, he's a strong man, ordained minister, podcaster, amateur cooking show host, and he's also a dad and a husband. So is it, what, what else did I leave out, man? Um, Man, um, I'm pretty sure there's some stuff on there. I'm a motorcycle really rider. Like, You're a fan of yeah. motorcycles, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like riding motorcycles. I like, um, I like reading, um, spending time with the family. Um, I mean, Pretty much anything. I like finding stuff that I'm not good at and then trying to at least become mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I was named correctly. I'm really average at a lot of stuff, man. So yeah. that's, that's good. <laughs> that, that's, that takes guts, man, to try something you're terrible at and actually go after. That's a lot of people are not willing to do that. So that's cool you do that. So uh, let's talk about this. So you, we talked about an AP history teacher. Let's talk about your journey. How did you become a teacher? Did you always think you wanted to be a teacher? Or how, did you, how did that process start? Man, this is just something that it just happened. Um, yeah. I was in school, started off in business. And after that kind of started going through, I didn't really like the whole business model stuff about just, you know, do what you have to do to maximize profit. And just the, the idea behind it really didn't sit well with me. So um decided to switch over majors and during this time my mom had passed also so I was kind of struggling what I needed to do then I'm you know early early 20s so then I decided to shift over to education um, taking care of my dad at the time after that happened and then just kind of stayed in school for a little bit got the bachelor's degree put in my job applications couldn't get any job yet teaching Uh, went and pursued my master's degree same thing, got to my master's, tried to pursue to get a job. Uh, nobody was hiring. First question they'd always ask me, so what do you coach? And I was like, uh, I don't coach sports. I never really played sports growing up. I was either playing cello and orchestra or I was in high school band. Um, so then after that, I started off, you know, I was planned on working towards my PhD. So I got about, you know, 18 credit hours into my PhD. Finally got the phone call. I figured, hey, you know what, it was towards the end of the nine weeks, it was at Lee, and I said, might as well go ahead and, you know, pick up this little, it was just a temporary job, so I was like, go ahead and pick it up, get a little bit of income in happening, and then pick up on school again in uh, the fall, so I worked with my professors, because it was halfway through the semester, ended up getting back, uh, finished up that semester at UNA with my courses, kind of remotely, since I was working. Then I got a job interview with, long story short, she was my uh, best friend's mom's best friend, who was also my seventh and eighth grade science teacher. And my friend's mom was a seventh and eighth grade English teacher. So me and my buddy, we would always hang out together. And I was always at his house from, you know, fifth grade all the way through high school. So she had known me since I was a kid. And now she's the principal. She sees my name on the list. She calls me up. Hey, you know, what do you want to come in and interview? Yeah, sure. No problem. So I go in, interview, uh, end up getting my foot in the door. And then um, really wasn't sure if it was something that I was kind of wanting to do. But 
just kind of fell in love with it over the years and you know now I couldn't see myself doing anything else it's, it's real rewarding it's fun um, I like building the relationships with the kids um, just getting them thinking again I guess I'm at a point in my career now where especially with a lot of the AP classes I like to get them out of the mindset of trying to play the game of school to win the score and shift their brain to, you know, what did you actually learn today? What, what's something meaningful that you got out of today's lesson? And then when they start to make the connections and I hear, overhear conversations that they're having about course material and like how it relates to their life and stuff like that, then that's kind of like a win for me. I bet. That's a challenge right there, man. So if you can yeah. pull that off, that's, that's amazing, especially nowadays with all the technology and stuff like that. You can get kids thinking outside the box like that. That's, that's something right there. So yeah. uh, I talked about, you know, the list of 15 jobs that you have right there at the beginning mm -hmm. and things that you do. Uh, so I imagine you've picked up some tips on, you know, kind of time management, how you figure it out. So how do you how do you fit it all in with all these things you do? Um, you know, it's it's all fun. So and, you know, it's like talking to folks that are hooked on video games all the time. You're like, how do you put in all these hours a week playing video games? Because I really don't see anything that I do as work. Like, you know, when I do the CrossFit coaching in the morning and stuff, is that's fun for me. You know, I wake up in the morning, I'll get my workout in. I'll go and, you know, coach a great group of folks that are really fun to be around. I look forward to it. Uh, come home, able to have enough time to be able to cook breakfast for the family. We can all have, you know, homemade breakfast in the morning before I head off to work. I got all day, you know, teaching at school to be able to hang out with, you know, all my students and, you know, try to make some differences there. I try to get everything done that I can get done at school as far as like the grading and the planning and stuff like that goes. And then after school, if we have, uh, you know, like if my band's playing that night, then I usually try to squeeze in enough time to be able to head back to the house, get about an hour nap in, be able to get some dinner put together, go out and play with my band and, come home and you know do it all again the next day wow so um, kind of how many hours of sleep you get per, per night per, on average? Uh, it all it all depends i like to usually get between seven and eight i kind of go to bed a little bit early uh if we're not playing then usually eight thirty nine o'clock so i hear you i'm on that same schedule man i got yeah you. yeah so it's, it's nice I'll, and i always tell folks i mean naps are so underrated man you gotta oh. go and you can squeeze in a nap you know 30 minutes here you know 15 minutes whatever that's kind of like the key to being able to keep going uh, strong. I'm a huge believer in naps every yep. day. I nap every day. If, if, if not, <laughs> yep. something went wrong, man. I, I'm a big believer. I'm with you on that. And they're mm -hmm. powerful, especially with a big schedule like that, like what you got. So you mentioned your band. What's the name of your band? Uh, long story short behind the name, um, me and my buddy Preston have been playing together uh, for years, you know, well over a decade. And we had a guy that we were playing with and he couldn't make it one evening for a gig. So me and him were talking, I was like, Hey, you know, well, you know, any drummers that could play. So we called one of our buddies named Rob Buck. And this, the joke was like, well, Hey, you know, Rob's playing with us tonight. So I guess, uh, you know, we're not, you know, out of luck. I was like, we got Buck. So let's, let's tell him that our name's bucked up. Cause we got Rob Buck. And it was just kind of like a laugh, you know, cause here's Rob Buck and we're bucked up. And then, so we played and it went over great. It was the first time we'd ever played together. We didn't even practice. So then we played and uh, went over great at the establishment. Like, hey, you know, um, you know, can we get y'all back here again? And we we're like, well, I mean, yeah, sure. You know, no problem. So then we booked a bunch under bucked up. And then, you know, next thing you know, nine, 10 years later, we're playing everywhere under bucked up. So that's, that's kind of how we got that name because of our drummer. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm good at naming stuff, too. So uh, I named my yeah. business Joe Martin Fitness. 
Because I'm yeah. my name is Joe Martin and I do fitness. So I get you, man. Names man, are important. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of music do you guys play? Literally everything. I gotcha. um, we kind of had the mindset going into it that we weren't just going to be a particular style or genre, but we were going to play songs that are fun for us, songs that we like to listen to and songs that are fun for us to play. Cause you know, we'd all been in bands before where they were trying to, you know, select songs based off of, you know, what the crowd likes and what everybody requests or whatnot. And that's what they're going to learn. So there's always like the songs that you just hate playing and hate singing. And then when we kind of got together, it was like, look, I don't want to play any songs that aren't fun for me and and that's kind of the mentality that we all had uh coming into it so with that being said we do some metallica we do some garth brooks we do some hank we do some pantera we do pink floyd we do some joe satriani we do joe walsh we do you know just pretty much a little bit of everything everything from you know, we do a couple jazz tunes, a couple blues tunes. Um, Christmas time, we'll do some like finger picking style type of, you know, Christmas songs and whatnot. But uh, every everything that we play, you know, I, I think we play it pretty well, and I have a good time playing. It. And the crowd seems to like it when you go from playing, you know, Master of Puppets into playing. Um, family tradition and the crowd still <laughs> equally going crazy between the two because you know they know we're having a fun time and we kind of like project that energy out as well yeah so one of the coolest things i've seen you do is your one-man band so tell people oh, about yeah. how you do the sugar sugar hill gang all by yourself okay well this this is another long story short one so <laughs> way back in the day me and preston had been we've been trying out drummers left and right and you know, we were finding folks, you know, they might come to one, you know, get together practice. And then it was one of those situations where we're both like, yeah, or they would come to practice and we'd be like, oh, yeah, they're pretty good. And then we'd never hear from them again. So I had a drum set at my house and I was just just kind of toying around with it a little bit. So I was kind of joking with him one day. I was like, man, you know what? I bet if we got, you know, some some kind of simple songs to play then I could figure out a way to be able to do a drum beat and then tap a, tap a simple bass line with it. So, you know, we had a handful, maybe, you know, about maybe a half night worth of material where I played, you know, the drums and bass and sang and then Preston played guitar over it. So we kind of set that up and, you know, I was trying to figure out what all songs I could play and which ones I couldn't. So, you know, we, we had a couple, you know, we did like Metallica for whom the bell tolls. Cause it was, you know, compared to the other songs, simple drum beat, simple bass line. Um, you know, Mary Jane's last dance, um, a couple other ones, you know, a couple of ACDC songs that we did as well. And so I got with the rappers to like, cause that was always a fun baseline. And I was just sitting there, I wonder if I can do this. So, you know, that, that was one of the ones added to the set as well. I also used to do Lottie Dottie by Snoop Dogg. I do some Cypress Hill stuff occasionally as well. But, um, you know, that's, that's kind of like the leftovers of what we used to do back in the, the late, two, late 2000s. And that's, that's kind of when we picked up with our first drummer because it was getting to the point where like, we got all these songs we want to play, but we're not able to do them justice because, you know, I'm stuck down, you know, doing three things at once. So when we got a drummer, it kind of freed us up a little bit and we were able to expand our, uh, our topics. But that, that's kind of how the, the one-man band thing originated, which is basically out of necessity. And, and also, you know, being a bass player, it's really hard to find somebody to come over just to jam, just to play like drums, just to have a little jam session with. So I said, you know what, what about just 
you know, let one of the voices in my head take over and, you know, I'll let you be drums and I'm going to be bass. And then I'll let the other personality be the singer. And, you know, all three of us kind of work together pretty well since kind of all in the same head. So I just gave each personality its own appendage and we went, went with it. It's impressive, man. There's a lot going on there. It's impressive to see. So, uh, do you guys have any gigs coming up? Is Bucked Up have any gigs coming up? Did you guys? Yeah, man. We, I don't know what happens. We'll go from like December. We're looking at our calendar for the next year, and we're like, okay, you know, we're we're open next year, and then within like three weeks, we're booked through the whole year. So, um, our next one that we have coming up is actually uh, this coming Friday on February 19th, and it's going to be at Mars Music Hall. from 7 to 10 p.m and then you know the following week i think we have a a show at uh, shag nasty's and then moe's barbecue Uh, i know next month we got a booked up at humphreys and then we just kind of rotate between several establishments so we're i know that we're at least two to three a month from now until july and then usually by the time july hits we'll be solid booked through the end of the year What's the best place to Facebook page? What's the best place to follow you guys? Yeah, we have a Facebook page that we keep updated uh, pretty regularly with our gigs. If you just do bucked up with apostrophe, no E-B-U-C-K apostrophe D up, um, then you'll be able to find it. You'll find a picture. Yeah, and I'll link that that in the show notes as well, so they can just click on it. But yeah, so that's that's the best place probably to follow upcoming gigs and all that good stuff. Yeah, we, we stay pretty, pretty up to date on posting events and stuff like that. Okay. I was going to switch it more to, to you personally. So what, what's, the, what, what's one of your biggest failures you've had and what did you learn from it? Oh man. Let me think is, Oh, that's, that's just one thing that kind of stop comes up. I don't really see anything as being failures. I see it as being obstacles. Sure. You know, like when my mom died back in my early twenties, that, that was a really big obstacle because she kind of like held down everything. And my, uh, youngest one was diagnosed with neuroblastoma and oxyclonus myoclonus when she was 19 months old and lost all motor skills so that was like a huge battle that we had to go through and overcome so i mean you know, i learned a lot from that um my dad had a massive stroke um about a year and a half ago which totally made stripped him of his independence you know he's 88 just had a birthday last week so now it's to the point where you know that's another thing having to take care of on top of that um you know then other setbacks you know my wife got diagnosed with stage three breast cancer back in august so she's you know in the middle of battling through all that as well and um oh um a couple years ago my sister had a massive aneurysm and they thought that she was going to die and it was like two percent chance that she would recover and by a miracle that two percent chance she made a full recovery from that so And we had that stuff. So, I mean, really, it's not like there was like a, you know, something that I failed at or, you know, like a challenge in life. But I don't know, man, when when you go through real stuff in life, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that I've gone through like some big hectic type of thing. But, you know, when you have stuff, a lot of stuff, man, that's a lot going on. Well, you know, you you got stuff like really going on in life and then it kind of puts everything in perspective, you know, when it's like, you know, people talk to me and they'll they'll complain to me about their life's problems and you know some people oh you know they don't know what life problems are yet i'm like well you know what to them in their life right now this is a big problem for them i mean sure it's like in comparison i mean you know i've 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 been through some some pretty rough stuff you know and i'm not even there there's a couple other things that i'm leaving out in there just 
just you know just just, per, just personal things that that are really just like you'd be like what whoa and on top of that you know because mm-hmm. there was others when my mom died there was a whole other situation going on uh and and coincides with that as well um but you know it's 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 not about what you go through in life it's about how you handle it so Absolutely. I always, I always use what people would see as setbacks because, you know, my mom died when I was in the middle of, of my undergraduate school. I could have easily quit school and done something else. Um, my wife's cancer diagnosis had happened right in the middle of, cause, uh, of my second round of grad school. So I graduated in, in December with a, a master's degree in educational administration to kind of move up the ladder for principal stuff. So, I mean, her diagnosis and chemos and all that stuff was going on, like right in the middle of me doing this grad school thing with the switch over to the virtual. So, I mean, it's, it was challenges. I still managed to pull out my A's in all my classes and, and get it all done and taken out. But I mean, that's the thing. It's like some people will shut down. It kind of like gives me that extra push. It's like, wow, you know, now, now I really have to do it. Now there's not an excuse. Just keep pushing forward. You know, there's, there's always tomorrow there's always a chance to try to do something. So I always like try to get that mentality of, you know, if today was my last day, what's something that I could look back and say like, okay, well, you know, at least I did that today. I don't want to wake up and say, Oh, well, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll do this or maybe next week I'll do this. Cause I mean, we don't, I mean, it, it could, I could get off the phone with you and slip and bump my head and, and be done with, it, you know, That's so I'll try to try to try to do what I can each day. Yeah, tomorrow is not promised, man. So you got yeah. I like I like that attitude. So you, you yeah. kind of touched on a little bit. Take us through what being a teacher is like these days. It's hard enough before. What does it look like now? Man, it's 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 different, you know. But in the same point, man, kids are gonna be kids. Um, you know, I've I've taught the trenches, I've taught from you know seventh grade all the way through twelfth. So I've taught every class that the kids are gonna have. At one point in time, I've taught every single course except for some of the AP classes, but I have taught the regular versions of, you know, psychology, sociology. I taught those at Lee when I did my student teaching. I did government economics. Um, at uh, uh, eighth, seventh and eighth grade, when I taught those two grades at Providence, I taught um, the civics and geography for seventh and then the eighth grade world history started off at new century with you know ninth grade and uh, 11th grade regular history courses and then i've taught 10th grade also because i was half it at lee and that's that's a whole nother story of how i was able to be shifted from you know my role at providence in middle school to getting over at new century that's that's a whole nother story in itself right there but um after i ended up getting over there slowly started getting to the ap programs uh, building up from those. So um, I had got my AP Human Geography, which is, that, that's my favorite all-time course. Um, AP World History and AP Euro. So teaching today, like with everything that's going on, it's one of these situations where in a normal year, I'd be doing things a lot differently. Um, I really try to, like I was telling you to begin and shift the thinking of the kids from what do I have to know for the test? What do you want me to write down on the paper to, hey, look at this really cool article that I found, or hey, me and my friend were having a discussion on this, and we were wondering how it relates to what we're learning in class. The AP Human Geography class that I teach is for freshmen, and it literally covers everything. I mean, it's everything from you know cultural aspects of what type of food do you eat, the language you speak, the music you listen to, the clothes you wear, 
to map reading, to why cities are set up the way they do. Why did they choose to build this new neighborhood over here when they put a new road through? What considerations do they use to, you know, what type of foods, um, how our types of foods produced, um, what types of, you know, countries produce what types of food and how does that influence what they eat? You know, what's the difference between GMO and non-GMO? What does, you know, fresh farmed fish versus wild caught fish, like what's actually the difference? What's the real difference between cage-free eggs and um, the ones that you just get that are the regular ones? So it's literally a little bit of everything about humans and their contribution, uh, in industry and factories, you know, what they produce, how they produce, how it's shipped from place to place. I mean, anything you possibly think about, you can connect to the class. So uh, trying to get the kids' brains to shift from what do I have to know to, wow, this is something interesting. I was playing um, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I was thinking about how the GPS stuff we were talking about with, you know, um, remote sense data and ground truthing and stuff is something that, you know, I didn't even realize that I was doing on Breath of the Wild when I'm sitting my pin drop markers trying to figure out where my important locations are for when I go back. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's where we're getting the connection to the old knowledge. But with the pandemic thing comes in, the hardest part is trying to make the connections with the kids because I can't do as an effective job, I feel, if I can't get to know my students. I like to get to know their interests. You know, what type of music do you listen to? What type of family do you come from? What type of stuff do you do for your entertainment? Because then I can kind of curtail the lessons towards their interests. So they think we're just having random conversations about stuff when in all actuality, we're covering core standards. They're doing research and stuff and learning about different uh, standards that relate to the course without even knowing that they're doing it. So like just for me as an educator, not being able to make that really personal connection with the kids is a little more challenging. And then seeing them, the types of hardships they're suffering on their ends. Um, I mean, I can just tell, man, some days the kids are like, not want to have their cameras cut on. I mean, I'm, I'm totally cool with that when I do my lessons. Like, if you don't have your camera cut on, like, dude, I understand, man. Don't worry about it. But, you know, some of them cut them on. I can just tell if they're bummed out or just like responses that they're given. Or it might be two, three weeks before you hear from a kid. And then they send me this long email about how they're just like depressed and, you know, feeling all sad and alone and stuff like that. And, you know, that's, that, that's the stuff right there that I really wish there was more than I could do for them in, in that aspect. But, you know, the, the competition with technology and stuff like that is, you know, it's, it, it that's kind of a double discussion right there because you know number one if you're adapting your methods to today's kids then it's really not that much more difficult than it would have been you know years ago but if you're still set in with the same methods that worked you know 30 40 years ago and not kind of adopting them to the kids then that's kind of where we get the problems and i always try to stay like on top of stuff i mean i still like playing video games so, you know, I'm able, I'm able to connect with a lot of the kids on that. I have a huge uh, variety of music that I listen to. So when the kids suggest, like, you know, songs and music that they listen to, you know, I'll learn them. I'll listen to them. I'll sit there and kind of incorporate the lyrics of their favorite songs into lessons as well, but not to the point to where they know that's what I'm doing. But if I can find a point in the lesson where I'm explaining something and then there's like a phrase of a song that I'll throw in like a phrase, I'll see their eyes like peek up and be like, did, did, did you just, did you just quote that one song? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just teaching this lesson. They're like, no, no, I'm pretty sure that you quoted like a whole verse from that one song. 
I'm like, no, no, well, I'm glad you're paying attention, but, and then we'll kind of move on uh, from that, but I don't know, like, but, but like I said, man, it's just the, the one hardship is trying to make those connections in that, in this digital format that we're doing. But I mean, dude, I love my job teaching. Um, I, I really don't even want to go into administration, like as like one of these like life goals of like, oh, this is what I want to do when I want to be an administration because all oh, admin, admin. It's kind of more one of those, like, I just, I feel that that would be the best next step. You know, I'm trying to get as, as good as I can get, at least in my own eyes, and then try to share some of that with my teachers and being blessed to have administrative staff that is all about um, being there for the teachers and supporting the teachers. I mean, like, I've never had a, a pair of administration that I've worked for like I have now that are so supportive. And I mean, they will go out of their way to make sure that the teachers at the school are successful. And that, that rolls over because when you support the teachers, then the teachers will go and support the students. But I've also been in the gotcha environment before where you would have, you know, one of the admins like trying to sneak around the corner to pop in with the clipboard as soon as, you know, the children started get, getting unruly, writing stuff down really fast and like looking at you like, ah, oh, gotcha. And, you know, it puts you in a real, you know, bad place just professionally. And then the kids see it and they're not treating the adults with as much respect anymore because they see, you know, your boss is talking down to you in front of them. Now they're going to start talking down. And then it's just the whole chain reaction that that loses that credibility and support network. So I'm a, I'm a real advocate from, you know, top down leadership. But you have to treat your employees the way that you want your employees to treat you know, the other folks around them. So that's, that's something that I've learned uh, over the past few years with my current administration. So hopefully when it's my time to take the reins, cause it's not something I'm rushing, uh, I'm not, you know, begging and searching, but when the time comes and it's right and the opportunity presents itself and I do move into that, then hope to make kind of like a seamless transition to, you know, benefit and, you know, do the best I can with wherever I'm at. If that, if that makes That's sense. It. Yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, I'm gonna come audit your class. I want to take that human geography class. That sounds awesome, man. Dude, I'm telling you, man. That's that's what I tell the kids every year when they come in. I'm like, you know, by the by halfway through this class, your parents are gonna be super excited about your projects. They're gonna want to help you. They're gonna you know want to talk to you about this stuff. And the only problem that happens is the kids being freshmen. I mean, like, I get it, dude. Like, you're you know. 13 14 you, you don't care about world stuff yet you know it really doesn't matter but i don't know what it is like when you get to that like 18 19 year old age when that curiosity really starts going into overdrive and all of a sudden it's like you're sitting around watching history channel documentaries and doing all these types of like you know research stuff and watching all like the food documentaries and you know it's the whole little series and stuff they got on like netflix or whatnot and then all of a sudden you realize like, wow, th this is all the stuff that we were talking about in AP Human Geography class. So I always get kids that'll either after graduation or even like seniors and stuff, they'll come and be like, wow, man, they're doing that one. Like, you know, I thought that was the most boring stuff when we were doing it. But looking back, that was so much fun. And then they're sitting there telling the freshmen like detail by detail of all these really huge projects they did, which is like making me happy. Because like you actually remembered something what you what you did in, in school, and that's another really big thing is you know meaning and purpose. 
like what do you remember from you know seventh grade or high school like what are some of the most memorable things and you know the big the big teacher thing is like you know students don't remember what you teach them they remember how you made them feel you know like which teachers classes did you enjoy going to and why so it's just fun to have that connective uh with the material to where they're like oh yeah this is something that we learned about oh yeah and then we did this well what did you do oh well, i did mine with you know, these type of aspects or whatever. And then like the seniors who don't even have my class are talking more enthusiastically about my class, you know, three years later than they did when they were in it. And they're like, wow. And one of the best ones I had, I had a kid tell me this a few years ago. He's like, you know what? I really wish I could have taken your class as a senior because I would have appreciated it a lot more as a senior than as a freshman. And I was like, I, I know, man, I get it. And I, I even tell the freshman kid that I'm like, look, this is not something you gonna appreciate now, but hopefully when you look back at it, you know, three, four years from now, you'll have fun with it. And when I tell them about their parents being super excited about doing the projects with them the first day of school, halfway through the course, they're like, you're right. I'm like, about what? And they're like, because he said that my mom was really going to enjoy helping me with this project. And now that's all she ever talks about. I get home. She's like, what did you do in human geography class today? Why? Well, I found these articles and like the parents are interacting and engaging with the kids. And that's, 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 that's a win for me, man. When I get, you know, parents and kids talking about educational stuff that's happening at school and they're both excited about it. I'm like, woo, that's, that, that's my win. That's it, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I would have loved learning as much as I do now when I was actually in school. But I was, I was mm-hmm. on the other side. I'm just trying to get this grade and move on. I was playing the game like you talked about. But there were some yeah. classes that yeah. I actually – and you remember those teachers that engaged you mm-hmm. and made that you, – you'll never forget them. So that's cool. You're making a, you're making a dent in those kids' brain for them. So, um, so kind of some another way you've connected with students, you started a CrossFit at your school. So kind of tell me about that process and how that came about. Oh man, that was, that, that's, that's a really fun story, right? So at Huntsville City Schools a couple of years ago, I guess it's more than a couple of years ago, I mean, you start getting, you know, you start getting old and all of a sudden the oh, years yeah. just like run together. <laughs> I was like, was that last year? Like, no, that was back in the 19th. Like what? <laughs> but um, this, it was a couple of years ago, they decided to implement this thing called Power Hour. So what Power Hour is, is we're on, um, a B block days. So we got, you know, four classes on A day and then we got four different classes on B day. So what they decided to do, because they're having lots of issues with, you know, this demographics of students who relied on bus transportation to and from school. So they could never participate in any after school activities. They could never participate in any before school activities. Just the amount of course load the kids are going through. They figured like, what's the way that we could kind of make it to where the kids could be able to participate clubs and activities during the school day. So they came up with this concept that's in uh, several different school districts in in the country. It's called Power Hour. So what they'll do is they'll have two classes in the morning They'll have an hour break in the middle of the day, and then they'll have their other two classes in the afternoon. So during this uh, hour break, you have 30 minutes for lunch, and then you have 30 minutes for clubs and activities. Now, this can be anything ranging from, you know, student government to key club to video game club. Yes, we had that. We had um, uh, a Japanese anime enthusiast club. So any type of community that the kids wanted to get together as long as they had a student sponsor or sorry as long as they had a teacher sponsor that was willing to host the club to supervise then they could do that so the principal was sitting there kind of noticing because 
you know, I, I kind of go through phases in my CrossFit, you know, like sometimes th- th- this is right around the time that I was studying for my level three, I, you know, took my level three the first time thinking, Oh, I know all this stuff. I'm not worried about studying for it. I've been doing this forever and didn't do as well as I thought I was going to do on it. And then it, it was a couple it was, it was obscure areas of stuff that I really didn't bother learning, like the whole like administration management portion of it, you know, nothing about the programming and coaching stuff. I mean, I, that was, that was simple, but it was all the other stuff that I never, that I never really got down. So I talked to one of my buddies, like, what's the best, best way to pass it? He's like, well, you just need to obsess over it and live it. So I was like, okay, cool. So I was doing the whole diet thing. I mean, I cut down, I was like 205. Like I was super, super lean. So I mean, that's the stuff, the diet stuff that they suggest it works, but I really like to cook. I really like to eat. And I really like to have my little relaxing beverages uh, at the, at the end of the day as well. And you can't really have both, you know, but anyways, so the principal comes to me and she's like, Hey, you know, what would you think about doing a CrossFit club here? Cause we've had a couple of the kids that have been asking about some type of exercise, something. So I was like, Oh, you know, a club. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like during power hour. So it would just be like a 30 minute slot power hour. So it's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll totally do that. So it started off and then I was having, you know, 30 plus kids that were coming just wow. to do, and we were just doing kinesthetic workouts. You know, we were doing, you know, lunges and squats and push ups and bear crawls. And, you know, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to yeah. explain those. So we would go through those. And, you know, every Friday we'd have that 30 minute uh, little stint. I come in, get the kids kind of warmed up. I had some ones that were really enthusiastic about it that I was able to kind of um, start mentoring to kind of help help coach because just just from a coaching standpoint when you have 30 30 plus kids it's really hard to be able to coach 30 plus kids and that was my big thing was you know safety first and we need to get everybody mechanically moving good so that's why that's another reason we didn't do any weighted movements or anything where they could get injured and um eventually got uh, a couple kids kind of on board and they were kind of walking around just helping with squats because they had athletic backgrounds which is very rare at new century so, you know, the next year kind of kicked up and there are tons of kids having interest in it. And the principal was like, hey, what would you think about actually doing a CrossFit class at the school? So by this time, uh, one of my friends was telling me that if you run a nonprofit, whether it's like a school or if it's like a, a firehouse or a police uh, officer thing or like military, and you have a place that provides like gyms to your folks there, that you can apply for a nonprofit CrossFit affiliation, which is uh, not something that anybody with any sense of business would ever want to do because you can't charge anything. Um, you can't charge for any shirts that you might produce with the logo on it. You can't charge anybody any types of fees. Like everything is done 100% free just for the people that work there. Uh, I don't get an extra stipend for doing it. It's just totally, totally free. So we ended up getting the CrossFit affiliate, um, some local CrossFit gyms like, you know, CrossFit Huntsville. And um, they really helped us out with some fundraising uh, and, and were able to get us enough to buy a rig. High Temp really came through and, you know, donated thousands of pounds of bumper plates to us. And then just ra- random individuals were donating, you know, barbells and kettlebells and, and things like that. Ride equipment, you know, donated a $2,000 gift card. So I was able to get uh, medicine balls and some more kettlebells and jump ropes and stuff like that. But then the community really pulled through to get it up and rolling. And then um, all of a sudden uh, she was showing me this uh, 
course manual is like which one of these course numbers would best fit your course so i found one that was like fitness and conditioning that has course standards it's like you know outdoor field trips and stuff so i was able to kind of put the course together on that but because i'm not a pe coach and it can't be offered as a pe class so the students don't get pe credit for it but they can just take it as an elective so over the the last i think this is the third year that we've had it in the first year we started up, like that was the, the one year that I was able to do it pandemic free. Uh, we had this awesome competition at the school. It was um, uh, brains and brawn competition where, you know, we, we had the track outside. We were able to do like four really cool workouts. Uh, we had some prizes and stuff that were donated by Two Food that we were able to, to give to the folks participating. Uh, was able to get enough money kind of raised because, you know, we're not trying to, you know, make tons of money off of it but i just like to make enough every year so that way we can be able to pay for the field trips that we take like we went kayaking uh, uh the year before last when, when we were a full year because it's kind of like one of our trips i tried to look a kayaking trip like a hiking trip uh we were trying to get in with some of like the rock climbing stuff as well but it was you know right towards the beginning where all that stuff was being built before it was finished and you know last year the shutdown with the pandemic towards the end of the year when all of our stuff is uh, supposed to be kicking up and, you know, who knows what this year is going to hold in store for us. But um, it, it just seemed to be really good for the kids, seeing them get excited, seeing them actually, you know, progress throughout the year. These like small, you know, sit in front of the video games all the time, you know, all about the computer stuff, never athletic, never pick. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're learning that body kinesthetic awareness point. Because, I mean, these are like super smart kids, but some of them, when it comes to that body kinesthetic awareness, it's just really not good. And it kind of it kind of humbles them a little bit because, you know, when they make fun of the kids that aren't as academically gifted as they are, they can kind of see like, well, you know, everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses. But then at the same time, through my leading by example, I like to find things that I'm not good at and try to get better at them. So let's try to find the things that you're not good at and try to get better at them. It's like you're not good at, you know, uh, retaining information. Let's figure out ways to make that stick. You're not good at moving your body through space and body awareness. Let's try to work on that a little bit so we can get you a little bit uh, better. But, I mean, the kids love it. They, they see the progress that these kids are making in the course. Uh, folks are always, hey, you know, can, can I take that class next year? Yeah, sure. I'm, I try to limit it. I don't want it to be a massively huge class. I like to limit it to maybe, you know, 10 to 15 students and 15 being on the, the, the big side. But I like it to be 10 kind of selected that I can really work with that I think the class is going to benefit them the most. I don't want to work with, you know, because that's usually like how all like the superstar wannabe coaches are. Like they want to take the collegiate athlete and take the collegiate athlete to the next level. So they're like the top man. Give me the smallest, the weakest, the most uncoordinated kid. Those are the ones that I want to work with. Those are the ones that at the end of the day, when I see them walking down the hallways and their friends are like, wow, I remember when you used to be the small one of the group and now you're all big. And like, they're just like grinning from ear to ear, knowing that, you know, years worth of hard work they put in is starting to show off, uh, show out and people are starting to notice, you know, that confidence seeing them walk down the hallway with their head up in the air and, you know, their shoulders back and just that whole different idea. I see them smiling. I see them talking. I see them interacting with other students when beforehand, you know, there wasn't 
there wasn't nothing going on. You know, I, they were walking with their head down or keeping to themselves and just seeing that, that, you know, personality change and not necessarily the physical, but the personality change associated with it is, is one of my favorite parts about that CrossFit program at school. Cause that's, that, that's what keeps me wanting to do it again the next year. And that's my motivation. Very cool, man. So you mentioned before in high school, you were playing the cello, you're in the band. How does that guy become the super weightlifting guy that you are today? What was, what, were you always into weights back then or just something you fell into later? Man, you know, I've always been one of the strongest ones in my class. Just like ever since I was little, I was always like the little fat butterball kid that was like, hey, walk this. Watch me pick up this rock. Hey, walk this. And I'm like, you know, picking up the rock and picking up my friends and you know, always like lifting everything that I could to show how strong I was. It's like preschool type of stuff. You know, I was the kid out in the preschool playground, like picking up the tricycles over my head and like picking up all the stuff off the ground or whatnot. And then, um, you know, playing cello and stuff like that. Cause I started playing cello when I was like really young. I was, you know, in seventh grade, I went to this, you know, training camp at the university of Alabama. And I was like the youngest one there. I was like the only non-college kid there. So my mom, you know, my mom was a classical opera singer and also a classical pianist that, you know, toured Europe when she was a teenager and, you know, sang on the radio from the time she was five. So she was, she was a phenomenal uh, musician as well. And she was always nervous about me, you know, playing sports and getting hurt because, you know, if something happened to my hands and I like I broke fingers and I wasn't able to play cello again. Like, how's that going to affect the rest of my musical career? So when high school kicked up, they didn't have any type of orchestras at Huntsville High for real. So learn how to play um trombone in three weeks to took me like three weeks to to learn how to play trombone and read music on that uh audition for the band got in high school band you know played trombone played baritone played tuba you know well uh through high school and then you know kind of picked up the bass guitar in high school a little bit because a couple of my friends are wanting to band do the band thing and i figured you know bass guitar's got four strings cello's got four strings man you know why not? Let me, let me see what I can do. So we, we started playing that a little bit and, you know, I had a little hiatus spurt in my early twenties and then kind of reconnected with music uh, after my mom passed and just kind of took it from there. So, you know, the music aspects always been a part of it. The, the weightlifting stuff is, I mean, I've always kind of had a gym membership. I mean, I'll, I'll, you're a, if you're an old school Huntsville person, like I am, you know, born and raised here, one of my first gym memberships was Gold's Gym at Heart of Huntsville Mall. And I was, and, and just to show you how old I am, that was back when the entrance, you had to go into the mall to go into the Gold's Gym. Mm -hmm. That yeah. was, uh, that was before they switched it over to the outside entrance. So, you know, I'm old if I remember That's old that. school. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, that, that, and oh man, dude, I was so happy to get that Gold's Gym membership. I think I was 15 when I got it. And so, you know, that was one of those like, Ooh, when I get my car, then I can go. So, but, you know, I was a kid, too. I was just doing little Globo stuff. But I was kind of in and out there forever. And then, you know, Gold's Gym shut down and sent the memberships out to, you know, scattered them about. So I got picked up by 24-7 uh, when they were on Winchester. So, you know, just worked out there and gradually kind of got introduced to CrossFit. Um, one of my buddies, Robert uh, Norman, he was kind of dabbling in CrossFit a little bit. He's like, hey, man, because we used to work out together a lot. And, and uh, he was like, hey, man, you got to try this, this stuff with me. So I was like, okay. So, you know, me and him started doing it. And it was one of those, like, this is going to supplement the bodybuilding. And then it kind of turned into the bodybuilding stuff got really boring. 
and it really wasn't that functional because like you you throw in some of those functional crossfit strongman type of movements and it, it lets you show you what real strength is and and what's you know what, what are looks versus function so then i just kind of got into that and i mean long story short it was a one of these situations where, hey, we're going to make a CrossFit facility, but we're going to charge you a lot more to use it. And I was like, uh, I'm a teacher, so I can't afford that. And then they're like, well, hey, why don't you coach a morning class since you're always here at four o'clock in the morning anyways? I was like, okay, great. So and that, that's kind of how that's kind of how the coaching stuff happened, like totally unintentional, like never pursued. I never had this dream of, oh, I'm going to be a level three CrossFit coach one day and have my own CrossFit affiliate, the first, the first and only CrossFit affiliate in Alabama, and the only one to my knowledge in the world that is run the way like I run mine. Because we do like level one preparation where we're learning about you know energy pathway systems, we're learning about nutrition, we're learning about CrossFit methodology, putting together training programs on top of the training. You know, to to my knowledge, a lot of the high school of CrossFit affiliates that you see are a PE coach that has his L1 that goes and gets his PE class branded as CrossFit. But we actually get into the methodology and there's reading and, you know, the nutrition aspect of it that, you know, the kids are designing diets or designing, designing workout programs. We're studying like, you know, the different levels of Olympic lifting programs, the different types of strongman stuff from, you know, hatch squat programs to Wendler 531 to, you know, the juggernaut stuff that's out there and the five by fives and, you know, every, everything in between just to kind of give them an, an idea on that but um but yeah man this ne- never really it, it wasn't like one of those this is my passion and now I finally reached the pinnacle it was like life just kind of it says hey man this is gonna be something else you're gonna do so here you go and then it just kind of falls in my lap and I just look at it and say well yeah, I, I guess this is this is where life's taking me now. So let's see where it goes. Yeah. I see a theme in your life where you're just like, all right, that's what I'm doing yeah. next. And you just take yeah. it to life takes. And then you, you, like you said, you figure it out. I don't know how to do this mm-hmm. yet, but I'll figure it out. So man, that's a great attitude to have. So um, man, I really appreciate you coming on here. People need to go check you guys out at Bucked Up. I'll, like I said, I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to audit your class. I'm going to take that human geography class. Yeah, uh, come on. You can check out it. He's got a podcast. You got to check his podcast out. I'll link, I'll link that as well. Just another way he connects with his students. Man, I really appreciate you coming on here, especially what you're doing for all the kids out there. We need more teachers like you. Oh, man, I appreciate it. I, appreciate it. I just, you know, I, I do what's fun for me. I wake up every morning and my mindset is, I'm going to have fun today and with whatever I do, uh, hopefully I'm able to help somebody. If not, there's always tomorrow, but I'm going to always give the day hundred percent and try to learn a little something different. That's it, man. I love it. Well, appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on, man. And I'll talk to you later. Yeah, anytime, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I have some awesome news. My book is now available on Amazon. Check it out. Relentless Positivity. And also, if you can rate, review, share this podcast, please help us get the word out to as many people as possible. I'd really appreciate that. Share the podcast, share the positivity. Have an awesome day.